0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located, and also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application-layering product on the market today. And finally, by Policy Pack Software, who are going to be at both the Ignite the Tour event in Washington, D.C., and the Ignite the Tour event in Chicago. The D.C. event will be held on February 6th and 7th, and the Chicago event will be held April 15th and 16th. If you're in the area for either of those events, I encourage you to go check it out and check out Policy Pack. And now for some news. This week, VMware unfortunately had a round of layoffs. In their own statement, they suggest it involved a limited number of employees as part of a workforce rebalancing. CRN.com carried a statement from VMware stating, quote, This is part of a regular workforce rebalancing that ensures resources across VMware's global businesses and geographies are aligned with strategic objectives and customer needs, end quote. CRN suggests this number may be in the hundreds. Over on thelayoff.com, which is an anonymous form for employees to post about layoffs and changes within organizations, they've got a lot of pretty interesting rumors. If you've never checked out thelayoff.com, it's pretty interesting. You have to take things with a pinch of salt, though, since it is anonymous. But when you see a certain level of activity to a specific company it can be an indicator that there's, like, sizable changes going on. And obviously, with the layoffs at VMware and them being public knowledge now, there's some pretty interesting stuff over on layoff.com about the VMware layoffs. Although you can find plenty of posts where people reply calling out lies. So, again, a massive pinch of salt. Unfortunately, layoffs at this time of year seem to be an annual occurrence at VMware a company which has over 20,000 employees. One great thing to see when this happens is the outpouring from others in the community, giving words of encouragement and even providing leads for jobs to those who have been affected. I noticed, for example, Nutanix, Datrium, NVIDIA, and many others letting anyone affected know that they are hiring. So if you have been let go by VMware, I suggest you check out Uh, Job postings by Nutanix, Datrium, and NVIDIA. And if you're not on Twitter yet, I encourage you to join Twitter if you're just listening to the podcasts and you're not on Twitter because it can be a really great source for leads like this. Last week, I covered the fact that the last Windows 7 patches ended up breaking wallpapers and wondered out loud if Microsoft would step up and fix this or not since Windows 7 obviously is end of life. Well, it looks like we got the answer. They will be fixing the issue and you can expect a fix in mid-February if you are entitled to extended support. If not, you may be up the river without a paddle. It has been announced that Virginia Ramadi will be stepping down as CEO of IBM effective April 6th to be replaced with Arvind Krishna. Ramadi will remain the company's executive chairman through the end of the year and will then retire. CNBC.com reported that Red Hat's former CEO is becoming president of the company. Microsoft have released a new version of the Windows desktop client, version 1.2.605. And it now allows you to select which displays to use for desktop connections, including with WVD. They fixed issues where the connection settings didn't display the correct available scale factors, fixed an issue with where narrator uh, couldn't read the dialogue shown while the connection initiated, fixed an issue where the wrong username displayed when the Azure Active Directory and, and Active Directory names didn't match. Also fixed an issue that caused the client to stop responding when attaching a headset, plus more. Microsoft also released PowerShell Core version 6.2.4, which doesn't bring much in the way of new capabilities, but does have several fixes. You can check out a list of the fixes for yourself, I mean, briefly by looking at the YouTube video version of this episode of the podcast, which is episode 109, and you'll find the link for that on 5bytespodcast.com, or you can find the link to the release notes, and I'll share that with 5bytespodcast.com, under reference links for episode 109. Lanscan version 6.3.0 has been released and it includes a new right-click menu to open a URL in the browser as well as gives you the ability to add your own custom URLs for each device. If you're not familiar with Landscan, it's pretty cool you're able to connect to a network and then scan for other devices on the network and do port scans and a few different cool things. Their app in the App Store for Mac OS is pretty handy. IGIL Disrupt 2020 was held in Nashville, Tennessee this week. And yes, I did call it IGIL instead of the Eagle. It looked like a really great event from what I read online. ControlUp had some very exciting announcements. They now support IGIL devices. Not only can you get much of the great real time data for measuring your end user experience, you can also get your historical data for trending, but you can also even use some of the script-based actions that have already been made available to the community specific to IGEL. It includes the ability to quickly get machine details, get a list of assigned profiles, force a reboot or a wake-up, and the ability to initiate a shadow terminal, plus the ability to push and update configuration all from within the Control-Up console. Cloudjumper were also in attendance, talking about the integration of Cloudjumper with WVD through Agile devices. Earlier this week, Harry Labana raised a really great point. With the coronavirus being the biggest story and most immediate global concern right now, it raises the question of how many companies have inadequate strategies to enable remote work for the masses over a sustained period of time. Just a few days after Harry's tweet, interestingly, usnews.com posted an article stating the Alibaba Group and Tencent Holdings Limited asked employees to work from home for a week after the Chinese New Year to try and help limit the spread of the virus. Alibaba employs more than 100,000 people worldwide, and they've requested employees work from home across all of their divisions, including workers in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Macau, as well as in mainland China. So it's interesting to see how remote work capabilities are being used toward business continuity, and obviously with a lot of the doomsday scenarios around these types of superbugs, it'd be very smart for organizations to be able to quickly adapt to a remote work strategy. ZDNet have shared a table listing antivirus manufacturers and their current support plans for Windows 7. Most who have a roadmap that they've announced intend to support for at least two more years. I'll share a link with this episode if you want to take a look at the entire list, or again, you can just watch the YouTube version of this episode. But you'll find that link on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 109. This week there were reports of cyber attacks on the United Nations. Dozens of the UN servers, including systems at its human rights offices, as well as its human resources department, were compromised and some administrator accounts breached. It has been stated they are assuming the entire domain has been compromised and will proceed to take action with the assumption that that is the case, but according to a report from the new humanitarian.org, There is no active attack ongoing right now, but it's believed the attacker is lying dormant in their environment. At this time, they are unsure what, if any, data has been leaked or downloaded outside of their network. They were not very transparent about what was going on, and even still, as of the time of this recording, some are chastising them online on how they have handled this breach so far. Kevin Beaumont suggests the SharePoint vulnerability CVE-2019-0604 was used for this attack. And for some context, a patch for that vulnerability was released by Microsoft over a year ago. So obviously someone slept on that. Kevin also went on to warn others that while the vulnerability doesn't list SharePoint 2007 as being vulnerable to the exploits, it is. So do not assume you are safe on that older version take the appropriate measures. Cisco have addressed a flaw in their WebEx product. CVE-2020-3142 is the label for the vulnerability which which could allow an attacker to enter a password-protected meeting without authenticating. According to securityaffairs.co, in order to exploit this vulnerability, the attacker only needs to know the meeting ID that once inserted in the WebEx mobile application for iOS or Android will allow them to join the meeting bypassing any authentication. So ensure you are running version 39.11.5 of WebEx or later and 40.1.3 and later for WebEx Meeting Suite sites and WebEx Meetings Online sites. In some other news about Cisco WebEx, upcoming versions of webex will see some new features including automated recording and transcription of conversations which cisco said will remove the need for extensive note-taking during meetings transcripts are searchable so team members who miss a meeting can quickly locate key topics of discussion without listening through an entire video call the ai driven note-taking will be available via webex assistant feature The AI-driven note-taking will be available via the WebEx Assistant feature that will begin to trial in March, according to ComputerWorld.com. It was a pretty busy week for Google News, too, with them temporarily pulling paid Chrome extensions and announcing they would revert some of their recent changes around search displays that some have claimed deceptively displayed promoted content as top search results and interestingly once again this week it was highlighted that there's a blossoming working relationship between microsoft and google's development teams with the verge.com reporting that microsoft will help google to improve their tab management feature by taking what they have added to the chromium version of edge into the chrome base so pretty interesting and strange times and by the way since at least on twitter most of the chatter was actually around how they're displaying the promoted content as though it's a top search result they have said for the meantime while they have reverted the most obnoxious parts of that feature they intend to continue to experiment but they have listened to the feedback for now at least and now some scripts tricks and tips Andreas Nick shared a cool PowerShell module called AppV Forcelets that allows you to extract data from within the .appv file. If you're familiar with AppV, you'll know there's quite a lot of information contained within the configuration XML files that are then contained within that .appv file. And this will allow you to easily retrieve some of that data without manually extracting and searching for it. So pretty cool, nice little time saver. Guy Leach shared a handy PowerShell commandlet to show any and all automatic Windows services that are not currently running. That could be handy if you've got, say, a service connectivity issue, Uh, maybe you've got a web server, and when you try to browse to the website it's hosting, you're getting like a 503 error, or service isn't available, or your connection is being actively refused. If you run this PowerShell commandlet against it, you'll be able to see maybe if there's a service that should be started that hasn't started. And finally, Joshua Wright has shared a set of scripts which can be used for monitoring the use of Clipboard on Windows and Mac OS to gather passwords from password managers. This one's really interesting. It's certainly an eye-opener, and it's scary to think that the Clipboard can be so easily intercepted. Well, that's it for another episode. If you like the podcast, like I said last week, please let your friends and colleagues know. I would appreciate the help promoting it. And if you do enjoy it each week, if you wouldn't mind, please rate it on your podcast platform of choice. And I'll catch you next week. Thank you.